0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Circular Metabolism podcast. I'm your host, Aristide, from Metabolism of Cities. In this podcast, we interview thinkers, researchers, activists, policymakers, and practitioners to better understand the metabolism of our cities and how to reduce their, their environmental impact in a socially just and context specific way. I hope you enjoyed your summer holidays. We're back, and today, We will talk about a concept that you all know uh, and that it has been used by all of you in in one discussion or another. Uh, In fact, I think it's probably one of the most widespread concepts to quickly discuss about all of the challenges or all of our environmental challenges put together. This concept is the ecological footprint. To talk about it, we have today the co-creator or co-founder of this concept and the author of... Our ecological footprints, um, reducing human impact on the Earth. A book I, I read, I think, a decade or so ago. Uh, I still have some notes and post-its on it, uh, and uh, the author is Matisse Wackernagel, uh, and Matisse has co-developed this concept during his PhD at the University of British Columbia. Since then he has received numerous awards, uh, of course the one of the nice ones that are attached to our work is the one of the Worldwide Fund for Nature Award for Conservation Merit, the Herman Daly Award from the US Society of Ecological Economics, the Kenneth Balding Awards of the International Society for Ecological Economics as well. Um, but aside from all of this work, uh, uh, Matisse has co-founded as well the Global Footprint Network, which is a think tank that develops and promotes tools for advancing uh, sustainability, including the ecological footprint and biocapacity, which both measure the amount of resources we use and how much we still have. So with all that being said, welcome, Matisse and thank you very much for being part of this podcast. It's awesome. Thank you, Aristide. Thank you so much. Thank, thanks a lot. Um, could you perhaps give a, a brief intro of yourself? Uh, I don't know if I've pictured you correctly or not i don't even know myself <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i i grew up in switzerland and i was born in 62 i think something very striking for me there are a number of striking things which one is my parents and grandparents talking about world war ii and the resource constraints you know mm-hmm. and then and, and, i mean switzerland luckily didn't have much war action but um but the the food constraints was a dramatic thing that people remembered and the rationing at Switzerland only had like seven months of food per year. And so the the relationship between resources and and, and our lives kind of, that was a constant story we heard about and also wondering how can Switzerland have such a high income and not having resources? That puzzled me always, particularly spent some time on a farm as a kid, like during the vacation, kind of walking behind the farmer and kind of learning about how the farm works. It, it was just fascinating. And, and then wondering, why do the farmers, like they send all their food to the city and get back very, very little, you know, and i looked down upon. It's very strange, but it's so dependent on food. And they're such nice people. And then and then we were hit by the oil crisis, not just Switzerland, the world in, 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 in 73. And um, Switzerland reacted very heroically with three car-free Sundays. <laughs> Which of course is wow. ridiculous yeah it's ridiculous three days you know, <laughs> compared to like the amount of fossil fuel use. but as a child it was just eye-opening it was because back then pollution from cars was really stinky i mean it's horrible as a child and that the cars that took over the space and we could for the three days bicycle anywhere we wanted even on the highways you know it was fantastic it was quiet and our parents talked with it, with with their neighbors which didn't happen otherwise as much you know so it's gonna kind of, it was like a popular party and for me the idea of a fossil fuel free, free future seemed so tangible and attractive and and inevitable. As a child, I thought, oh, my God, I'm sure it's going to take a long time. You know, I'm sure it's going to take at least five or ten years. Um, but um, now I'm here. <laughs> a few little later. did we know, yeah. <laughs> a years later. And we're still struggling with similar ideas. I mean, the ideas have progressed, but so has our consumption i mean i think the 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 percentage of fossil fuel use now is still about the same as it was in the early 70s has moved a little bit but very little overall just that the consumption overall is far far higher and like in halfway through in 1992 we had the first climate convention, that's a long time ago. <laughs> and still, it hasn't shifted that much overall. I mean, there there's some interesting trends, there are more windmills, the, the price of renewables is coming down, etc. But in terms of transforming how it depends on fossil fuels, it's, it's quite stunning how
0: far behind we are. Yeah, and I can imagine that this is the, the slight game between hope and frustration when it, Whenever you have like a big climate summit or whenever you see something happening, like a crisis, like with the one we were with, you know, inside of it or outside of it, depending on how positive we are and the ones of, you know, the ecological one before. And you think that, yeah, as you said, in a couple of years time, all will be over, all will be well, but then we keep in this perpetual, let's say, uh, I don't know, loop. Uh, where we learn new stuff as well. Uh, I think we we get out of the loop and then we we get back to it somehow. Perhaps it's a spiral, uh, a spiral and not a, a loop uh, in some kind.
1: I think one one, one big issue the the way where we are so stuck in the loop is that even from the environmental side we have chosen a narrative that is not very helpful. And I think that narrative is too much based in in painting the global challenges as our personal problems Mm. and or another way of saying the more technical way of saying is we see it as a tragedy of the commons and so oh wow it would be really nice for humanity not to be in that situation but what can i do i'm just such a small speck you know so 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 how nice can we be to the world and that even goes to the nation's level i mean to have climate negotiations you wonder and say what are we negotiating about? You know, it's kind of, how nice is Switzerland going to be to the world? That's a very strange question. That's the underlying question of the UN Convention. It's the other way around, I think. That the, the challenges we see in the world, that's our context. That's the context we live into. And the question is, or rather, how will Switzerland be able to operate in that world? Like, what's Switzerland's ability to organize itself? It's kind of a much more necessary for the country and the country has a government we have a sovereign it's like we could we could we could decide and we do as if it was about how nice like are we doing our fair share compared to the rest of the world it's really strange while actually we are at stake you know so and and, and the interesting thing is with any problem if you react well to a context in a, in a way that increases your chances of winning you do things that also are good for the whole you know so it's not so so if you if you if your strategy to do something that makes a situation even worse the likelihood on average that these strategies fu- function are very low <laughs> because now it's not replicable but all replicable strategies that help you cope with that context also benefit the context if you are very worried about the kind of shifting of the context but primarily to see yourself wow if i'm not ready for the future that we can anticipate I will not be ready. And it's strange because the future, I think, has never been more predictable than it is today. Never. Like we know that people will want to eat and sleep and be housed. We know that exactly. We also know that there will be far more climate change and resource constraints. The question is how much more, depending on obviously some of the choices we'll make over the next decade. But there will be more climate change and more resource constraints. And given that and demand will go up possibly too if the population trends continue like we see them today. I mean, they're, the 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 um, reproduction rates are coming down, but also we're living longer. You know, so it's kind of there are, there are all these kind of trends, and and so so we know the storm that's going to come. Why are we not preparing our boats? That's the question I think.
0: And, <laughs> and especially that um, you know before because we were not outsourcing most of the issues or you know our our economies were much, I mean, their hinterlands were much smaller. Uh, smaller. We we could more or less still postpone the problem to the future. And now the outsourcing of each country touches upon the other one. So there is yeah absolutely you know mm-hmm. there is this Venn diagram where <laughs> almost everything overlaps, <laughs> and we we don't have any more move to to. Uh, any more space to move towards it yeah. I mean spice
1: sp- sp- space and time overlaps mm. I mean mm-hmm. work on cities cities have huge time delays you cannot turn a city around in one day like it takes like most of the infrastructure particularly higher income cities will have in 2050 are already built it's not going to be like totally transformed So, and but the speed at which the future comes to us is much bigger. So, I think the time, like how quickly we get into that future, is shorter than it takes to adjust our infrastructure. So, we actually would it would be very helpful for us to run much faster (laughs) in some ways. So, economically, I think economically, the case is very, very clear, only that we don't see it because we believe still in continued expansion, which in the end destroys our wealth So from a wealth perspective it's 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 fueling a liquidation policy or what what in english it's called a ponzi scheme a pyramid scheme or i think sometimes it's called a snowball system where where you live like you pay the, the old investors taking from the from the from the fresh investors you take from the future to pay for the present it's illegal in all domains but ecology and ecology is much bigger than the rest we are a subsystem of ecology so it's very strange that we encourage a Ponzi scheme, we, I say now we, but I think that the way most countries operate is kind of based based on policies that accelerate the Ponzi scheme, while in other domains, financial domains, it's actually illegal and people are put to jail,
0: it's very odd. <laughs> yeah well the legally binding element i think is one of the central ones right i mean as soon as we will have some it's the same thing with commons in yeah. commons you yeah. have laws and you have normally you should have regulations and uh mm-hmm. you know pun, not punishment but some you know I think,
1: yeah i think legal is not leading leading is following so first you have to have yeah. the sense that this is what the right thing is you know so so it's not you know what i mean and yeah. and it's more attractive th- that's for sure than uh... it has to it has to kind of, I think put the recognition that this is really hurting us and then I mean the laws are not just kind of formalizing this understanding, but the understanding is still widely lacking and i'm I'm fascinated by that
0: yeah puzzled by it and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny because I think your concept is one of the the ones that really helped. Bring this to the forefront. I mean, the complexity of, you know, a thriving society or a thriving humanity needs mm. uh, needs resources, uh, needs somehow to capture its emissions and needs to to balance it out with what the planet can provide. So we have like many pieces of the puzzle together, and you brought one concept to reunite these, let's say, three pillars. How how would you define or? When you were thinking about this concept, how did you arrive to the, the term, let's say, ecological footprint?
1: So I mean, the concept, like, we 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 thought about these things for a while, and I I think it was kind of a, a great luck. Like Bill Bill Rees got a new computer, and the people told him that, "Wow, this has a small footprint on your desk." Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good way of doing it. But I think that the the that the biological we, we we were both intrigued with caring capacity because animals obviously it's it's, it's quite established the idea. I think there's only so much of animal animal population that can be supported by a certain region, for example. And does it apply to, to people? I think the biggest mistake that people have made around that is to ask the question in a speculative way. Like often you hear the question, how many people can live on the planet, for example? It's a it's it's a close to useless question because it's by nature speculative you know. because, oh, but it depends on like how much, like, yeah. but if you turn the question around, it becomes totally descriptive. Like not how many people could live on a planet, but how many planets are people using right now? It's the opposite <laughs> question, you know? And then it becomes totally obvious, like that's, it's, a, it's a descriptor, it's not a speculation about the future. And, and people still think we make speculations about the future. And we have strictly just done bookkeeping, accounting <laughs> of what actually is being used compared to what's being renewed. So, so I think the, the, the underlying inspiration is perhaps the insight, and maybe that it's biased by my, by my um, childhood on like, vacations on a farm, that in the end, every country is like a farm. Actually, it is a farm. How big is the farm? compared to what it takes to support that country you know and the farm I mean so so waste and resource demand they can be synergetic or they can be in competition. if there's too much waste and actually you destroy ecosystem but but I mean the manure from cows just goes back and then it actually increases the fertility of the pasture <laughs> so, so 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 all all the demands in the end they do compete for what nature can regenerate. You can you can choose to build a bigger farmhouse and then and that's probably in the flat part of your farm and that's that would have been a very good garden or field. And so there's no carrots growing there. (laughs) Or you know, so uh, and um you can you can the all the days farms used the the forest for fuel wood, or you could or you could if you use fossil fuels, then you need space to absorb the CO2 you don't need to, but if you want to maintain natural capital, so accounting essentially means it's capital maintenance. Like, what's the flow needed to maintain your capital? So, if you use more fish than is being regenerated, it's like using bigger fish stock. If you cut more trees, they're not being regrown. It's like using a bigger forest. If you emit more CO two, then it's being absorbed. It's like using more capacity of the biosphere to absorb things. And funnily enough, when we started people laugh at us for putting also CO2 into the equation of saying this is a competing demand. And now, I mean, now we know because, because like people sell reforestation credits for CO2 reduction. I mean, there's a very strong, <laughs> the, the, the limitation of fossil fuels and that wasn't as clear back then is not so much because of how much is on the ground. There was still some hope that actually there will not be enough on the ground. So it will come to teeter out by its own devices, but actually, the, the amount that we already discovered on the ground is far exceeding what, what the biosphere could meaningfully take on with that kind of massive, massive change in climate. Um, and, and, uh, I mean, there were much higher CO2 concentrations in the beginning of life, <laughs> but There were no humans around. It was just bacteria <laughs> that could kind of start to turn, um, CO2 into oxygen, but, um, or, or some tomologies, but, um, some allergies rather. Um, so, um, so, so yeah, it's so people laughed and said, Why do you put fossil fuel in there? They're like it's, it's ridiculous. And then by two by the thousands, suddenly everybody moved just its only carbon. Yeah. Correct. The carbon footprint, and now people probably have more heard more about carbon footprint now. The carbon footprint, it doesn't even make that much sense carbon footprint if you already think about it. What's the kind of carbon footprint? And how do you <laughs> So uh, when you see it in the context of all the other demands on nature, it, it, it may make sense. I mean, it's great that it was pushed so much. It was pushed also very strongly by fossil fuel companies. We were all f- always a bit afraid of that. I don't know if in net positive, if it was a net positive or net negative. It's not, the term is more used. It's also more accepted. Like, I don't know if you remember in the early 2000s, people in the, in, the, in the fossil fuel industry were not allowed to talk about peak oil. Even though peak oil, peak there's no mountain without a peak. It's a mathematical thing. There will be a peak, but it's just a question of when. You know, it's like it's like it's, it's not always. I've <laughs> seen a mountain without a peak. Sorry. Um, but but that mathematically consistent term was, was not accepted. But the carbon footprint is, is kind of accepted, but obviously more meaningless than we say. Actually, it's helpful to look at the whole, everything that competes for regeneration, because, yes, the carbon footprint has become larger and larger. And that's the reality of our life today. But also, driving it to zero, where do we get the metabolism from? Like, are we just going to, like, people will want to fry their chickens? So will they just chop down more trees? Or I mean, like, so, so, so we have to look at the whole and also recognize the whole. We may not be able to use the whole because there are other wild species too with, with whom we compete. Like the seal eats a fish. I cannot eat that fish. And vice versa, the fish that I eat cannot be eaten by the seal, you know. So 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 there is competition between human demand on what we could say what's the the, the, the limiting factor for the human economy, which from our perspective is regeneration. Regeneration becomes kind of this common currency of everything. So 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 what we offered is more kind of an interpretation framework and say how may it be helpful simplifying to look at the world, taking out as much speculation. We're quite, I think, I, I, like you can go back to limits to growth, like I think one part that kind of made them so vulnerable. Even though it's an amazing book, I mean you, know, you can read it today. How many books that I do technical analysis can you can you can read uh, nearly 50 years later? And still say, Wow, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, so so but because by nature talking about it, the future is speculative and so so you can never win an argument. You can uh, will there be gravity tomorrow? I don't know. We can only find out tomorrow, you know? so <laughs> I mean that's kind of how. <laughs> Will technology save us? It's an unsafe. I mean, it can. It's a ridiculous question because we can never agree, and then by keep, by by keeping the argument alive, it's unsettled, and so we can maintain business as usual. So there's a lot of interest in maintaining business as usual. Even though it's actually hurting us collectively, and that's what what we haven't seen. And we can go into why that is, why we have become so blind to our physical existence, so blind, particularly in the social sciences. Um, and it, it's it's you talked about this, the Venn diagram. I mean, the Venn diagram is a, is a is a picture of what some people could call kind of colonial thinking. You know, so so that you can always get more from somewhere else. That's just, that's the essence of colonial thinking, and it it now. You, you, you will find it anywhere. I mean, I, I think kind of this whole trend to urbanization is based on a colonial thought, you know, that you build cities without concern whether there is actually the resource security to maintain these cities. So, 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 so say, oh, yeah, we build it and, and we can buy something somewhere. But if in net terms we use more than what can be regenerated, how long can you do that? And, and, and I think we haven't focused enough in our work also to look at the, because we look at kind of, if you look at financial parallels, we look like at the flow situation. How much do we uh, like use compared to how much is being regenerated, but we don't look at the capital stock. It's much more complex for natural capital to say what's the capital stock, and like, and and in, in, to, to track in, in in meaningful ways. I mean, even from a data perspective and conceptually, but there you can look at the various stocks. You can look at our fish fisheries, okay? <laughs> are the forests okay? Um, and the atmosphere. I mean, if you go from 300 to 305 ppm CO2 equivalent in the atmosphere, who cares? You know, so it's kind of like um, like the impact like it's minimal and. The, but if you, if you make the same addition where we are right now, actually last year, according to U.S. government, and, and, and most students I ask that even study environmental science haven't heard that, but even the U.S. government measures now, how many PPMs of CO2 equivalent do we have today in the atmosphere? And the last measure, like the last kind of accumulation of all the greenhouse gases as of 2020 is 502. 502. So if you go from 502 to 507, you know another five. That's very different. <laughs> so it's like when you with money. If you like the first little debt, like oh yeah, I still have like more assets, so I can I can overspend a little bit. But once you're closer to bankruptcy, you know, to add an extra five dollars or five francs of spending, <laughs> it's dangerous. So it's dangerous. So 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 on the, from the capital side too. I mean, we're starting to see the brittleness of the system and so we believe because we could overspend in the past we can overspend in the future while we are now entering a totally new era i think that's that's what's not recognized And, and somehow that's kind of puzzling me as well with i mean climate change is more recognized now it unfortunately strengthens this narrative that we talked about of saying oh it's just about this global commons what can i do which I think is a misrepresentation of the whole dynamics. But we can go into that as well, but it, it 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 kind of has strengthened again what I would call the electromechanical mindset of just it's just carbon, not even seeing carbon in the context of a biosphere, you know, so, and how it competes with everything. And so I think we 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 it, it leads to solutions that are not really helping other problems as well. So we're kind of solving one problem at the at the at the, at the help of another one i could go into into uh, dramatic examples if you want but in the end I kind of that's kind of the <laughs> i think the misconception that we're even more removed from the biological reality sometimes we call it i would say it's like the i think it's an english expression you know we focus too much on the last straw that's breaking the camel's back <laughs> and then th- that obsession forgets to think about what's actually the total amount of straw on the camel's back. So, so, so we don't have to be worried so much about pointing fingers at who is the last straw. We just need to remove, remove straws. <laughs> that, that would be more helpful. <laughs> yeah.
0: but, but I'm wondering, so let, let's go back to young Matisse that left Switzerland. So mm-hmm. you did a mechanical, mechanical engineering degree. Yeah, mm -hmm. at ETH, and then mm -hmm. you went to British Columbia to do your PhD. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I guess your appetite for for calculations came from this engineering background, and somehow (laughs) not only,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was fascinated. I I I always loved loved math, so I'm I'm. My poetry is math, you know. <laughs> numbers speak to me. I can look at numbers. But <laughs> wow. your your PhD and
0: is uh, in regional planning, regional or, community uh, planning, regional yeah. community yeah. planning. So, so
1: essentially, it's it's. It, I probably wouldn't allow it to be saying that, but so, so I I started first mechanical engineering because I thought technology would change like things much more, and I recognize it also has to be the social side. And regional planning is probably the closest to something we're not allowed to say, but it's like social engineering. Psst, don't tell anybody. It's like, it's the question, how do you turn knowledge into action? You know, it's not just a theory of Habermas and then somebody has great ideas and then we drink coffee and bullshit around. But it's actually, <laughs> it's totally applied. How do we use knowledge to generate shifts? That's the, that's the core idea. And perhaps planning has not been as accepted in in in... in I mean, it was in the Western world generally because it was like the communist planning that was like in the Cold War. Like I just I started my PhD just at the end of the Cold War, and then in in the in the in, in the Germanic languages probably because of World War Two, kind of the, the fascist planning, kind of. Superstate was also not very welcome. And then the Commonwealth somehow, because they weren't associated with fascism, apparently, and you know, it's a, and everything. And so, so they had that, that function, so kind of keeping the cities beautiful. So the, so the, so the Commonwealth tradition is pretty strong in planning and and, and, and and alive. So where it's going beyond just kind of making houses nice in, in the city, but it's actually truly kind of thinking more fully about it's a policy program. Now it's probably mm-hmm. called public policies in other, in, in other places. But it was just at the time when the Brundtland Commission had written its for the common future. So, so when I mean, sustainable development became much more a topic of the global stage. I mean, it had started in '72 with the Stockholm Conference, but then the term sustainable development got enshrined in. In, in 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 public pardons and back then everybody said sustainability it's too long of a word it will never catch on nobody like the companies will never use it it's kind of it's, it's too it's too complicated word <laughs> <laughs> uh, and but the stunning thing was the 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 the, the effort they took to make it complex and and, and, no, and not measure it. You know, I thought, oh, they just haven't found out how to measure it. <laughs> because why do we have sustainable development? Because we only have one planet. And, and and so how much do we use compared to how much we have? Like how much do we need to do? I actually told my mother, that's what I'm, what I'm studying during my PhD. And she got worried worried. She said, this is such a simple question. I'm sure others <laughs> have done it. You will not get your PhD. <laughs> Be worried. <laughs> <laughs> because her brother started his PhD on something that somebody somebody else already worked on, and then he had to kind of start again in a different direction or something. So she was <laughs> she was worried about my well-being. That's so that's so that's too simple, um, and it's still kind of yeah. So 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 I think I've learned a little bit more that the confusion around sustainability has has more actually system. It's not it's not really lack of understanding or lack of intelligence or anything it's it's actually it's amazing the, the intelligence and the sophistication we as a species not as a whole species but particularly as kind of the well-endowed part of the species <laughs> the urban elite around the world is putting into this cultural complexification to maintain business as usual so we can feel good about oh yeah we're thinking about it without having to act um, but we don't have to act. That's the whole thing. That's kind of the misconception. Um, no, nobody has to act. The question is, would it be in our interest? I think it is. I think that's the conversation that's missing to say if we build cities that depend on resource flows that will not be available, we build ourselves a most dangerous trap. And because the time scales are so short, if you actually truly did a net present value assessment of our cities. You would recognize that economically we are destroying ourselves. So it's not some sophisticated analysis. But it's kind of a total misconception that we only look at flows. I mean it's a GDP focus. The worst about the GDP focus is not that we say, oh, money is the only thing that matters. But I think that the fundamentally worst is that we only look at flows and not at stocks. So we say, hooray, we produced a hundred Swiss francs, and we forget how many hundred dollars. We actually lost in assets to produce these hundred Swiss francs. In, in some ways, and and so 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 resource costs are so diminished, so small. For I could go into reasons why. Like Cape Town didn't pay much for water, you know, and then Cape Town runs out of water. Like they didn't fall in, they found out the solution, whatever. But I mean, it's it's much more difficult if if a city runs out of water, the whole city is worth nothing. And I said, so it's not about the value of water, but the, what, what did the city pay for water? That's nothing. <laughs> it's what are the implications of not being resource secure, then everything becomes zero because the economy, as we know, is a subsystem of nature. So so not having, not being able to be a subsystem means you don't exist. It's not the other way around. And that means you lose all value. And that's a bit of an expected, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it seems so obvious when, when you say it like that. So, but <laughs> why, I mean, after, let's say, 25 years of uh, when, when the book came out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so you've probably seen so many different people use the concept and people mm-hmm. have seen the value of it in order to understand this complex issue. And yet, I mean, we've seen also that since the 70s, or was in the seventies that we're now using more mm-hmm. than what the yeah, earth can, can more, provide? Yeah. um So we know that, right? And
1: yeah, I mean, <sighs> the message was totally not like we failed in, in explaining the message. That's why I also have shifted things. So I mean, one thing is to me, biocapacity is the bigger chapter, and mm-hmm. footprint is a piece of that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of but but biocapacity is the lens. And by capacity is not even understood that much. You know, that's kind of the the importance of regeneration. That's, that's one part. The, the, and then even bigger, I mean, the whole reason why we went into this is, is the concept of overshoot, the possibility that you can use more than what the capital regenerates, you know, we can overshoot financially. Many have done that and we can do it ecologically and still the word overshoot barely exists i just actually that's why we started earth overshoot day as a way to explain the concept in ways that has it only uses two syllable words apart from the word january and that's what i'm most proud of <laughs> it could be so simple that from january 1st so january that was a three-syllable word from january 1st to this year july 29 people have used as much as our planet can renew in the entire year you know no three syllable word apart (laughs) from january so so primary school children can understand and say wow and then it's not just understand the idea oh we have used more than what there is but even there's a even though we didn't put that much of a number in it people think it's not a number but actually there is a clear number (laughs) because primary school students will say wow it's still a long way from christmas when i get my gift (laughs) and that's still not the end of the year you know it's a (laughs) wow (laughs) <laughs> it's still it's a, there's a lot missing there's a lot missing so so to bring the the piece overshoot in, but then I just did some media analysis to say how are the terms actually picking up? And uh, Otobisute is picking up really nicely. I mean, not as much as Beyonce or kind of you know or, or <laughs> we look for. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yet, but yet. It's, it's but it's it's, it's <laughs> but they're they they're quite. I, know, I mean, I think we had about this year again six thousand me- media articles that are documented, like on the web that you can find. And, and it's hard to say what the impressions mean, but this media search they kind of translate into how many eyeballs have the possibility to see it. They may not have, have seen it, but have the possibility, have access to kind of these platforms. And that's, uh, so they come up with 7 billion in the end. You know, so it's kind of, so, so it comes out. But still, and then if, if you look for the term ecological overshoot, it barely shows up anywhere. <laughs> like, so, so, but ecological overshoot is the big topic. <laughs> Earth Overshoot Day is just one way of kind of talking about it. And so I think that's kind of where we are struggling so much that we have a huge disease. I would say that we say overshoot is the second biggest risk humanity faced in the 21st century, because the biggest risk is not to look at it. You know, so that's so it's really kind of it's, 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 it's quite humongous. And then you go to a doctor and say, I feel so sick. And they say, sorry, we don't even have a word for your disease. You know, uh, 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 let me look it up. Oh, somebody said overshoot, but not even a therapy, of course. You know, So so it's kind of it's hard to translate the word in other languages. I mean, we have now established some translations because we have an international (laughs) campaign, but it's not it's not common parlance, even though it's the underlying thing, and that's kind of going back to back to the the camel idea. You know, so we focus so much on, on the many straws and we forget kind of the underpinnings it's, it's quite stunning, I find. I don't know.
0: Mm. And uh, so, why do you think overshoot? Is it just because it's two syllables instead of ecological footprint, so you have ten of them, <laughs> or something that, <laughs> that that it that it was uh, accepted even further because ecological footprint was already very much uh, accepted, but now overshoot, you say, is much more than that, or that's overshoot existed before. Yeah. I mean, okay.
1: this, this, this a big theme of. I mean, others have talked about it. There's has been ecological study and kind of the, the, the Cabotera cycle, you know, kind of the, and, and so um, footprint just kind of captured the imagination because it put together like the, the sense we leave an impact, but also space that, that we actually use space, mm-hmm. that space ultimately, I think, is the ultimate like com- competition ground. I think modern economics tries, particularly at the non, at the macro level, tries to avoid the idea of competition i mean oecd that drives gdp has in it its name cooperation mm-hmm. and, and that the, the biggest discussion i've had with many economists you see, cannot say we're competing we're helping each other through trade trade is only net positive and uh, and, and and we are attacked i mean we're so much attacked much more on, on implications than on the tool we call our approach pedestrian science it's a bit of a joke because you know the footprints pedestrian science but it is totally pedestrian I mean, it's high school science we just add up everything we use according to how much regeneration it competes for because then when it competes for you can add it up you know things that are overlapping you cannot add up but things that compete for you can add up so it's bay i mean the principles it could be more basic it's more simple than money accounting money is more complex because you have like you have to distinguish between profit and revenue, you know, so it's kind of, you know what I mean? So like, if you, if you, if you get money, actually, you also have to think about how much did it take to make that money? So it's only kind of the value add. So, so calculating GDP is it's more sophisticated, like which flows do you have to account for? Material flows, the way we do it, it's, it's much more straightforward because we can add up all the things that compete for space. So, so, so that, I mean, if devil's in the detail to get, the, get, how to get the data and we use the UN data sets, they're probably flawed, but they're Internationally accepted, about 50,000 data points per country and year. It's a lot and it's not a lot because the country is a big entity, you know. <laughs> but um, so so it's 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 super pedestrian. It's super simple. In the end, not not that complex. Why is it so hard to kind of be seen or or, or recognized? It's 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 very interesting. I think. I mean, that's why, like we say, it takes. It's, it's probably underestimate. Switzerland takes four and a half Switzerland to support itself and the finance ministry in Switzerland thinks that's irrelevant to Switzerland's long-term
0: perspective. So I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's funny because um, I don't know it, whether it's your background in, in planning that has land as the ultimate denominator of, of, of these or, or something else. Well, of course, on the planet, we have limited amount of square meters, right? Uh, be it of mm-hmm. land or or ocean. So that's yeah. one of the things that we have limited elements. We have other stuff, but yes. which are unknown, like reserves, mm-hmm. uh, resource reserves, or mm-hmm. how much CO two we can put in the uh, in the atmosphere. We know I mean, that- the CO
1: two that's linked to the square meters. I mean, so, so that's why we said we, we map it to the surface of the of the of the planet, to the, and then to the productive part. And of course the biocapacity capacity can change from year to year because we can like the way we manage it and as the the word gets probably hotter and wetter it could, it could well be that the uh, productivity of the planet is going down or becomes more erratic and so so agricultural yields will not be as steady you know so or so uh, so so we're not saying everything is static we're just bookkeepers like how much do you earn this year how much do you spend this year and then we do translate into like for every year, we know the surface was that much, and the productivity was that much. So, so it's, it's, I mean, it's, a it's, it's is, is your budget limited? Because it is, it doesn't mean that next year you may earn different <laughs> But So it's, it's, just, it, it's the same idea. And I think that's, for, for some, that's, not, it's not inspiring. But it's like, this, like I say, by capacity, it's like gravity, you know, an architect to say, "Oh, gravity! I hate it. I would like to build my pillars differently. And I don't down, yeah. want to fall. I don't want to follow gravity." Say, "Good luck." I mean, um <laughs> so so architects fully embrace gravity. I haven't heard much. Many conferences where architects go to, where they kind of argue about gravity. I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, I mean, it's it's interesting to see that. Uh, well space I think speaks a lot and when we talk about cities which is a weird a weird human invention which is let's say a place where by definition uh, survives because of surplus of somewhere else right I mean cities where and cities jobs exists thanks to let's say agriculture that was once outside or that a surplus of land that exists somewhere else. So I don't know how you feel about, you know, dealing with cities in general. Do, do you, have you, well, I, I can imagine that you have done a number of studies with with cities, yeah. but what is the, the, at the end, what, what can we say to, to, a, to a system that it's by definition, the unecologically ecologically uh, sound, let's say?
1: From a GDP perspective, an economic perspective, Canada would be much better off if it just kind of said, let's keep Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver and unincorporate the rest and give it away, give it away. Because, you know, so that's where the GDP happens. So so we have countries, much more GDP, much more effort. Let's just have Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal and get rid of the, rid of the rest. If you actually took economics seriously, that would be the logical conclusion. <laughs> And it's perhaps just of sentimentality that they're not doing it. They're, oh, but the land and yeah, you know. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so the economic system is so skewed to urban areas that they can suck the 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 the, the, the value add out of the entire system. We did one, one thing that's the most shocking insight I've had in the last few years, which I could have had early if I just kind of made the diagram before, is the following. And I still haven't resolved. I don't know actually, I mean, I don't know what it, I, I haven't have implication what it means, but it's the following, in lowest income countries, typically over 50% of the GDP and the workforce work in agriculture. Let me say lowest, let's say country under $2,000 value add. So I just looked at that because it's like agriculture is really so significant, you know, so. Then I also would say from my experience as a boy being on a farm, if you have a bigger farm, you can have more cows they have more throughput and they could buy more shiny car <laughs> <laughs> so so a bigger farm helps you to have more productive capacity and earn more money so applying these two insights i would say oh wouldn't that then say that those countries that have more access to buy capacity per person in the low in that field would logically have like be better off so we made that just uh, you can do it yourself. You can use our biocapacity data. You can use our, you can use the words banks, GDP data. <laughs> you cross correlate. And what we found is a total cloud with slight negative correlation, actually, even kind of later line too. So even today, with massive, massive overshoot because the overshoot we are in right now, okay, we can document 70% more than what is being renewed. But the UN data set doesn't even document like all the destruction, like soil loss, et cetera. So it's kind of, you know, so it's probably not all demands are, are captured either. And still, it's 70% more. And little detail, we're not even arguing we should use the entire planet. There's like so many other species too. So E.O. Wilson says maybe half would be a much better goal you know, for maintaining 85% of the biodiversity in the world. Maybe you should just use half. So half compared to 1.7 fold, that's more than threefold off. So we have a, you could say that we have three, our metabolism, our biological metabolism is threefold larger than what a sustainable level could, could imply. Like that, that kind of also would be its biodiversity It's also probably good for climate if we were smaller. And prices totally do not react. It's stunning. So, so if prices react, then the market will react and then we will adjust gradually. That's the soft way. If prices do not react and the system does not react like with the water in, 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 in Cape town, then you have disruption. So we're in a total disruption course because our system, the blindness of our prices to that reality make us not react and i think also our as, as our as our worldview has moved more towards a mechanic or electromechanical perspective and that's driven also by our city experience we don't even realize our biological dependence overall i think we put too much emphasis in, oh let's look at the resources oh iron ores or lithium oh is there enough lithium there's plenty of non-renewables on the planet i think it's just a question how dig how big holes we dig you know so and how much energy we have to concentrate so yeah i mean there's also they're limited i'm not downplaying it i mean so we have to carefully manage our other resources as well but i think the misconception is not recognizing that the so-called renewables are even more fragile and i think many urbanites they have "Oh, renewable it's fine great renewables good. let's just do all renewable and then we're fine so, actually renewables can be the more significant for us and they are more fragile
0: yeah, because it's once a, they're off, they're, they're done. Yeah, you know they're I mean?
1: potentially <laughs> renewable. It's like the golden goose is renewable. <laughs> if you kill it, <laughs> you know the, the goose like, 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 basic old and, um, that like lays the golden eggs. Not a very good biological metaphor because it does. This gold was much better, much more important than biological things. So yeah, so so it's an underappreciation of the biological cycles, and and that's what I. I hoped actually that we would we would find the recognition of our biological existence far more in, in the COVID situation because COVID obviously tells us we are biology and by biology we are connected with each other biologically. Um and somehow that insight has not become that much stronger, I think. A little bit stronger, but not 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 to the extent that wow, biology really matters, you know. So so
0: anyhow. <laughs> so, so you've been doing this Let's say accounting work for 20 plus Mm -hmm. years, right? So, actually, that's more than 30. More than 30 years. And you've done it at different levels. You've done it at the global level, Uh, at the national level. You've done it at cities. Mm -hmm. Well, you've done it at the city level as well. But I'm wondering so, is there something? uh, So, over the years, you also probably see that. Uh, the amount of pressure we put increases. The probably the biocapacity capacity also decreases a bit, or at best remains stable. Um, is there something that you've seen that still was surprising? Something that you, you could have never thought of it while while looking at all of these data for for years and years and years? I mean, there's so many surprises.
1: I that's why I love working in the field because <laughs> i've worked for 30 years it seems the same question and i don't get bored like it's, it's like it's more puzzling every day <laughs> <laughs> it's more puzzling every day i mean on, on, on some levels kind of how to think about these aspects i mean to, to what extent i mean it's also what happens in the world and how we think about it like for example we just did a rough study about australia which has been um um it's very large by capacity compared to its population just because of the, the, the population not that large it's a fragile continent then we did a, a rough calculation about the forest fires in 2020 and say if we include that and say like how, if, if that's actually a loss in capacity you could have negative by capacity I mean, if you have this mm-hmm. if, if you have a forest accumulated and you lose that then it takes years to rebuild it so that means it's like you overspent that year so your 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 assets went down or your assets went down far more than you had income and so actually for that year australia became an ecological or started to run an ecological deficit so the net law the net use of biocapacity or including the loss they had in their capital exceeded you know what, what, what was regenerated wow that's shocking that's a kind of like a place that, that have has extra
0: you never thought this space. could happen yeah. you know the theoretically just, this, and
1: yeah. so quickly like this, yeah. the scale of the of, of those things the, the other thing is i mean the u.n data sets i mean there's more the surprise of kind of the blind spots that doesn't have clarity around loss of soils you know or loss of of, of water Fresh water that, that leads to agricultural loss. So, we are, we're still seeing the doped athletes. So, by capacity seems to go up using UN data sets. Well, in reality, probably it's, it's not the case. So, it's kind of we're just erring on the side of not exaggerating the situation. So, sometimes we say tongue in cheek, we are more worried about our reputation than about global survival because <laughs> we don't want to exaggerate. <laughs> the overshoot is probably underestimated. So, I mean, I mean the, 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 the surprise is also kind of on the data set, for example, with for some forests now becoming net sources, apparently, you know, there's more and more studies coming out like the Amazon becoming a net source of CO2. So, so, so forest productivity, obviously, has a huge impact on the, on the carbon balance. But when you look at FAO data, it's like a static number at best, like how much a forest is able to generate and I'm sure they're changing in productivity with more forest fires and pests and no so and it's it's not being tracked. Um, and 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 it is kind of this focus that we think monetary wealth can bias everything. And and so and Angela Merkel, for example, I'm sure, just to take one example, she's more worried about the stability of the euro than the stability of the 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 soils in Germany that are able to produce potatoes. And that's probably true in in many countries. And and that's kind of the the wild thing about how how powerful we have made money that it can move around so easily, that we trust money more than physical assets, which are more difficult to trade and and, and, and exchange. I mean, if you have a farm, you cannot just take a little bit of the farm and buy a cup of coffee. You know, it's kind of, selling a whole farm is very complex um, comparatively so so there's this huge advantage and i think herman daly said it best i mean the challenge becomes and with, with debt creation there's no limits to negative pigs you know i can promise you the pig for the future even if it doesn't exist and so we kind of infinite amounts of negative pigs and then we start to realize wow there's not enough pigs to cap to to kind of cover the the negative pigs we promised each other yeah. and 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 so so that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> the pickle we're in <laughs> that's not a surprise in some ways i mean it's just it's but it's it's the surprise is more where does it resonate this year i was very, was very excited i mean one of the highlights of earth overshoot day was that financial times had the graph of overshoot day over over times as, as the main graph on the front page upper fold it's awesome and uh, and and the number of phone calls we got was amazing too <laughs> because it like was Oh <laughs> <Not> really so
0: <laughs>
1: yeah zero phone calls in general. i mean i'm not surprised that's what, that's what happened it's, it's kind of it seems so apart from the logic of, oh how interesting what do i do with it i don't know what to do with it let's continue <laughs> like even though it's actually the actionability is quite straightforward from my perspective but i think it's 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 so, I mean, we work with some companies, but I think for so many, it just, they know kind of what the way they operate, it just doesn't fully fit with, the, with the, intuitively. And so that it's so daunting to them, which is strange because they have to, to deal with a lot of daunting things. And so understanding your context, understanding the situation allows you to make bets that are much more likely to win you know if you, if you if you if you bet blindly every decision is a bet in the end it's a bet on the future it doesn't serve you i mean it seems like so obvious but so so so, so i'm a little bit that's this is kind of the puzzling side is it, i think it's the, the, the social side i think more like how we are addicted to a noble narrative we talked about that and i say addicted because it's to be righteous you know so say you're wrong <laughs> Is so satisfying, perhaps, or or the urgency we call it, the, like the urgency makes it, makes it. But in the end, the question for me is like it's not like for cities. That's what as we work with cities, the question for the city is not how nice can you be to the world. That's kind of how we approach it. The, the question is why is Basel, where I'm from, destroying Basel? That's the puzzling question. What does that mean? Like, are you committed to your own long-term success? If you know how the future comes to you, what would that mean? Would that mean building more parking garages? Is that like the best use of your money? You know, so, or like what would it actually take to be successful? And do you wanna be successful? Why do you think this future is not gonna come quickly? Because I mean, the future, there are many different paths, but they have a lot of aspects in common. So we could say, oh, maybe we will not decide to get out of fossil fuel fast enough. You know, let's see what the others do. If we don't, then we will have to deal with more climate change, which means more disruptions, more difficulties to get our food, more resentments around the world, less like a higher price to have a global trading system. And you don't have the resources locally and you haven't prepared yourself. You have become like you have the totally wrong assets or you can sweat a bit more and prepare yourself early and say, no matter what, we'll have to get out of fossil fuels, even if the others don't, actually, the the faster we are, the more we are prepared because our systems will be able to operate in that future. The future is regenerative, whether we like it or not. That's the only possible future it's actually it's a certain future it's going to be regenerative the question is how quickly we get there you know that's the answer anything by design or disaster that's the that's the choice and i think we always think is oh sustainability is an option
0: it's not an option it's the <laughs> it's either with us or without us that's the
1: only yeah. thing <laughs> yeah, or yeah or i mean it's not totally it's not even that binary i mean but i mean it could shave off a big percentage of the of the global population. I mean, there may be that the, the, the by capacity may be so much lower than that the budget is so much lower, that's going to be much more difficult um for for a large population to to operate. I don't think that the human species will disappear very quickly. I mean, overall, but it could be a, a very very significant shock.
0: Mm-hmm. So you touched upon very briefly about actionable elements. Mm-hmm. Um you mentioned companies so what type yes. of how, how does this work? So, let's say there is a, a company or a territory that uses these principles, and how do you do they use them to make them actionable? Do, do you have some yes, examples? perhaps?
1: Absolutely. So, so we are, we're, we're working quite closely with Schneider Electric, for example. Mm-hmm. They are in the business of let's say digitalization and decarbonization, and somehow they recognized. Luckily, they have a great CEO, Jean-Marc Altriqua, who was an engineer as well, and and they can recognize. Wow, we are actually a force for sustainability. We don't have to greenwash, you know, so it's actually what more Schneider, better world, because we need to, to electrify the world and we need to decarbonize the world. And decarbonization and, and electrification needs digitization to kind of manage the, the energy flows, etc. And so they actually look at how much carbon it takes to operate Schneider compared to how much they they, they reduce in the world. Are they getting better at helping the world decarbonize <clears throat> and through that produce value for their clients? So it's one of the few companies that fully embrace sustainability. They're not just saying, oh, it's about sustainable development goals. There are 167 indicators. We contribute to, to three of them. So we are part of the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so no, it's, it's actually essentially. Like, so, so they have been able to, to say that. Maybe they did a little uh, kind of uh, booklet with them on, on it, which, which I thought was quite intriguing that it's not about how nice are you as a company? Do you have a CSR department? Rather, it's to say, are your goods and services contributing to humanity's success? Because if they are, your markets will more likely open. If not, they will more likely close. Now, it's not the only thing that determines success, and it's, but it's like playing soccer on a field that goes downhill. You know, they may still be messy on the other side, and then, you know, <laughs> and even uphill, he will win. You I don't know, but but it's it it's also on average. It makes life much much easier and that's it's such a simple question and few companies uh, embrace it so 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 i think because we, we approach the question too much from a kind of a normative perspective who is good who is bad i mean even people say what's the footprint of a company which is scientifically i think a totally nonsensical question because companies don't have footprint it's activities that have footprint so the question is like what well, like, like what activities do you want to look at so it's like a functional thing like with money you have to say like what's the question that you actually want to address rather than making up kind of Ways of calculating things, nearly willing <laughs> that are not based on clear scientific principles or, or clear, clear sense of relevance. I would say, so so that's um, I, I think how, how we work with with, com- with companies or cities. I mean, it starts from the question of saying, like, we want to help you kind of be successful. Are you committed to your own success? That's kind of the driving question or the underlying driving question. And if so then it's awesome to work with them, you know, to say like, and for a city to say like, what does it, what does it actually take to be long-term successful? Like what, what do you want to invest? What do you not want to invest uh, then with companies? Like, um, I mean, so it's pretty, I think it's pretty straightforward. So once you recognize that the straw on the camel's back and say, any reduction of straw, you kind know, of takes pressure out of your system. Like how, what does that mean? And so some, some cities now, that's not because of our work, but I, I know, for example, where I live, Berkeley, like they're saying we are taking the gas grid out of the city. We will not have a gas grid in the future, we have to electrify. It. And so, so the argument is to say to people, you don't want to be the last ones to have gas because otherwise you, the, 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 the more and more of the costs of the whole infrastructure will be burdened on you and you know, the earlier you can get out of it the more you shed yourself from these kind of costs that you don't want to be part of it you know, so, 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 but that's not the conversation i hear very often around like around the world is to 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 bring the the stranded asset conversation far more kind of practically into
0: people's view hmm. which is also the problem of uh you know government cities and all of that which do not own necessarily much of what they are dependent uh, yeah. upon yeah. like uh, sometimes infrastructures they don't even own them uh, sometimes the lands most of the cases they don't own and so you know it's this weird situation of how do you even in committing in your own successes um well cities w- what can they really do sometimes they only have let's say uh, a fraction of the land, a fraction of of the the infrastructures themselves, because they had to outsource everything. So I would, I would
1: say, I would challenge them and say they can do more if they want to. Like everything yeah, yeah, yeah. is different, <laughs> and 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 the, and the legal situation is not just about the more, but I think one is kind of to be clear from which framework to operate. If that's the organizing principle, and say we need to get our city ready. And, and and the citizens they, they, they are they they are mad for every fossil fuel dependent project that is kind of added, and, and the fossil fuel dependent project is to add houses that still need like fossil fuel heating and cooling or like whatever, so, so they're not well built or adding more parking infrastructure and, and I mean, all, all these kind of things. So so about how like the, the, the zoning power and kind of their their development permits etc. Um, yeah. can also shape in which direction we go. So so if if the citizens think oh my god it's like this kind of development is destroying me. You know, so there's a different type of energy than just saying we want to be a little bit nice and have like more green points <laughs> associated with our with our city. Or where, where do you? I mean, where, where do you see kind of the metabolism interest of, of, of cities? What 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 do you find like what what
0: resonates with with with, with cities? Well, from your, from your experience, I, if, from what I've seen, is that a lot of cities are confused from what they will get once they do the study or once they they've accounted for their flows, the thing that there is, you know, the keys to paradise that they're going to be handed off to them as soon as they're going to perform this study. Uh, Whereas it's very much, as you said, once you do any type of accounting, then you also need either a clear vision or a clear commitment to something. And then your action plan or your strategy roadmap will come after that. But unless you have like a clear idea of, yeah, we want to not harm the the environment anymore at any cost, well, of course, your strategy and roadmap will be completely different as if you say, okay, we want to, uh, I don't know, uh, reduce the amount of waste coming out of my city, which is another metric, right? I mean, getting... A, Reducing the amount of waste can also be by exporting it and not uh, treating it locally or etc etc. So I think a lot is lost uh, in the translation of things after this quantification story. They don't have yet all of the possibilities in their minds of what they can do, what they should do and all of that. And of course the different layers of administrations don't help and the different you know, uh, politicians that come for a short amount of time, whereas administrations are there for a long amount of time. There is this duality of timeframes, which often hurt, like every politician comes with a vision. They come I I will do the circular economy. The next one is going to do the, I don't know, the green economy. The next mm-hmm. one is going to do the other economy. Inclusive. new name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, y- at the end of the day they just reshift or rewarm the plates in the microwave, but they, mm. they haven't, you know, made radical change or they, 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 they did not measure as well. They didn't have an indicator at the beginning of the political vision. Say, are we circular or I don't know what the term is, mm. how much are we today? And how much did we become at the end of the mandate? Mm. So
1: isn't there also a step before kind of to understand? what's actually wh- why is it relevant to us like what hmm. I think for information that's kind of something I learned painfully there's like three parts one, the, the the first part is, is, is more questioned now as we see kind of in politics the first one would be it has to be accurate obviously otherwise it's not like can be found out so it's going to has to be on, on a scientifically sound basis i think it's probably still in the long run because things are being found out so you can you can maintain lies for so long but not not forever you know so anyhow so it's helpful i think i still believe in the scientific method <laughs> having a clear research question and, and then and then obviously to make that useful it has to be relevant to people
0: hmm.
1: so so why how is it relevant to you like in some ways and then the third one is the most difficult because many things are relevant, but maybe we don't like so much, you know. <laughs> so, so, so how do we how do we also make it empowering? So empowering to say that actually, with this information, you're better off. And and that's, so, so I think how we embed it is so is is so important. I mean, we have, yeah. So, so how how do you how do you engage with cities so they feel they're stronger? having that information well, we, we, we tried we, we tried yes, a little sir, bit but, like it's good just because ultimately I think the tension but there's so many names around it like in China they call it ecological civilization sustainable development or I think the the essence is we want to have thriving lives and there's only so much physical budget and I think the most physical budget is the regeneration that's kind of the tension we're playing so I mean donut economy this talks about that or like there's so many Aspect. We did some diagrams with 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 countries and saying, okay, let's let's look at what's your social outcome. And you can use a number of measures. For example, use the human development index, you know, there's a social outcome. How many resources does it take to produce that social outcome? What's your risk exposure if you use more than what's available globally? I mean you you, you that means you bet on forever being able to outcompete others. You know, that's kind of is that is that a stable bet? That you always will win the world championship forever. You know, <laughs> I mean, some are confident that they can, and for some it may work out. But it's just it's not that replicable, and and it, and it puts fragility into your bet. And and then you can you can track, and you can you can make the point right now. This is the city where it is right now. How is it moving over time? You know, so how is it moving over time? Uh, and, and and is that is that helping? Is it making you stronger? So if they say, yeah, that's what we want that's great what what we what we see kind of as, as limitations is often I mean our numbers always come with delay because that's almost kind with course. delay and that they're outside of the administration's probably time frame and they, oh that was the last administration even though they don't budge that much <laughs> over time but so that's kind of one way that goes out that the other thing that people get frustrated I wonder actually how you deal with that is they feel oh we make so much effort and it doesn't budge the needle you know it's this is kind of Take so much. And in reality, if you think of it like from a, from a physics perspective, actually the things that don't move the needle much, you have to do even earlier because, you know, if it, we, we cannot adjust. If it's so hard to adjust, we cannot adjust the last second. So it actually makes it more urgent, not less urgent. But in the political rationale, the needle not budging that much is a discouragement. That's so kind of the, the, it's the opposite of what actually is needed for a city to succeed. And so how to translate that in something that that, that I mean, we have some, some some ways, but I think that's kind of a typical ways I wonder how your experiences with that like kind of the like the metabolism it doesn't change much.
0: No, but and you're right. I mean, the let's say in the in general, the flows of cities are, let's say, energy, food, uh, water and construction materials, these are the big ones. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's no magic, right? I mean, you reduce the amount of buildings, you reduce the amount of construction materials and energy and water, uh, and you switch your diet from one to another, you switch the environmental impact of food. So, I mean, the answers are there. They're pretty straightforward and all of that. However, I mean, to implement them, it's a massive thing because you need to change consumption patterns, you need to change, uh, you know, companies and ad- advertisement and all that, et cetera, et cetera. And you pissed off your voters. A- and you pissed off everyone. You know what I mean that's a-
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I-, I think what they want is like
0: small short term wins. Like what-, what can we really do that still makes sense and that is a small landmark. And so we had this small thing. So we, we did this uh, study seven years ago, uh, almost uh, for for Brussels, we we measured all of the flows entering, exiting the stock and all of that. Um, So we did a big, big picture image. And then they asked us to zoom in some flows, some very tiny flows, let's say, because they thought that might be, let's say, uh, uh, an interesting solution or something that they could work after that. And one of them was the the wood uh, flows. And Brussels has a a forest uh, down south, so has mm-hmm. the zonian forest. And by I, I called the 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 forest stewards to understand how how does that work and what happens once they cut off the trees uh because they're sick or because you know they renew the mm-hmm. all of that. And they said, well actually most of them are bought and leave for Asia or China. <laughs> Oftentimes they come back in Brussels as, you know, as furniture, but okay. that's yeah. <laughs> But uh, it's funny. I mean, you would never know that unless you ask these people. This tiny piece of information, and it got more or less buried for x amount of years. And then I had a colleague of mine that took this on with with other people. They created a cooperative, and now they buy this wood locally and try to repurpose it locally because there are no sawmills anymore and all that. And of course, as soon as the politicians heard about these initiatives, everybody. Really push themselves towards it because it seems like a no-brainer. Uh, so you know, you take—I mean, you don't export to China. You reuse locally. You create local production. Uh, it is your own biomass, etc. I mean, it, it only wins in on any front. So, I, su- I think, this was one of the things that you know, a tiny contribution of of such a study could perhaps help and and people as soon as you you ask this to any brussels citizens they all would say it's a fantastic idea there is no uh, you know no one would say no. no
1: no no one loses that has a say only yeah. the chinese lose but they're far away so they cannot <laughs> they can <laughs> so
0: if you find these tiny pieces of success somehow uh and either you export them, so you showcase them from somewhere else because, of mm-hmm. course, this exists in Montreal, this exists in Amsterdam, this mm-hmm. exists in many countries. Um, so perhaps you showcase some tiny examples that get your citizens and politicians uh, well together into one thing and then they move on. Once you have one victory, you can very easily move to another one and then another one. Um, but yeah, That's I don't awesome. know if that makes sense or not.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To to us, kind of a, a litmus test in the end is, I believe. I've seen ministers sweat when they hear like bad news about, oh, unemployment goes up. I mean, you see like this, like, I'm, and I'm sure they don't sleep that well. They have heart palpitations. I think like that is there's, there's a somatic expression of kind of this whatever bad news is, you know. So that means they have internalized it, they say, Oh, yeah, this really means something. And it's, I don't know, if we, you probably know the book, thinking slow, thinking faster, you know, so, 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 so we need to learn like these abstract things. Like, for that unemployment is bad, we need to learn. And then we know that, and, and then it's deep enough, like, if you ask a child, what about unemployment, they say, Oh, hooray, then my dad is home, and then we can play <laughs> together, you know, so you know, what I mean, <laughs> 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 so, so it's not in itself obvious what, what it means. I'm not, I'm not belittling unemployment, but I'm just saying we have to learn that it's a bad thing and then we know and then, and then we're going to say, oh my God, it's a really bad thing. And, and I think we are at the place where kind of overshoot or, or kind of an ecological deficit of a country doesn't produce any sweat pearls or any ministers forehead or heart palpitations or anything and not that i wish heart palpitations and ministers but i mean it is it's a sign if it's not there it's just not a bit becoming, more than now you know it's, not, to, not to it's, be- it's not becoming <laughs> actionable and, and and one way of knowing it is are your economic plans your competitiveness plans do they see resource security as a major axis that you need to be ready for and that it's not the case, you see it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just one of the documents. But for example, the World Economic Forum, which is fairly influential, they have their most influential report is the Competitiveness Report, I would say, what they kind of say, which countries are really kind of like <laughs> good there. They they somehow add together with no scientific principle, obviously, because it's like indices, I don't think, have any scientific validity. But they're being published in academic journals. I'm not sure why. But anyhow, that's another story. So so <laughs> so, so they add up this kind of index for competitiveness. Use a hundred plus um, indices uh, indicators. Not one of them has any physical dimension. Like not like energy, nature, whatever. For sure, not biodiversity. Not even water. Like nothing. Food, nothing. Like as if like economies floated in space. I mean, the only physical thing in there is number of airports. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so so, competitors that I wrote with them like the. Isn't that about kind of long-term productivity, you know? And isn't sustainability about long-term productivity? Like, isn't there a bit of an overlap? There, like, like, like I, I don't know. So, so I'm, I'm not. I'm, just, I'm poking fun at that one. It's just it's a manifestation of kind of this this schism. um But I think that's kind of in in, in some ways kind of the you know how do we. How do we get exactly really core? It's not just a nice thing. And on Sunday afternoon, we go and visit and say, "Oh, this nice windmill." You know, so it's, but it's, uh, it's <laughs> how we recognize that resource security is something really fundamental in some ways. And so, I, so I mean, that's why we have worked with with countries, and then also with cities. We have now a project in Portugal with about twenty cities. they kind of looking at their metabolism and 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 the, the difference between rural area, rural cities more rural more kind of metropolitan cities and resource dependent and uh, and still struggle to be totally honest of saying directly because it's the, the economic rationale just still does not digest that reality yeah and it's, 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 it's it is surprising and and yeah
0: so. I mean today there's not the solutions do not make sense in, in a term of economic uh, sense uh that's why a lot of you know well but when we, yeah but when we now talk with 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 regions
1: and they say oh we want we need the climate plan so you don't need a climate plan you need a competitiveness plan but a competitiveness plan that recognizes the world we live in
0: yeah and a how can you economic competitive yeah. plan you know not a five year
1: let's or, say. or even 20. yeah i think and because i mean because we need to move out of fossil fuels pretty fast yeah. You know, sure. So. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I so, think so. that
0: there's uh, mm-hmm. like the biocapacity that we would like, for for instance, to build yeah. up again. I think yeah. this is like a probably more yeah. than twenty so, years. Takes, ago. Yeah. But the point is, I mean,
1: I think scientifically it's clear. Like, like mm-hmm. actually, I think I'm not sure why IPCC continues to say that we can <laughs> be at 1.5 degrees by kind of moving out of fossil. Fuel. Already, the concentration we have in the atmosphere today puts us in a two degrees track even if we stop today so okay maybe we have have net sequestration in the future but where from because we also don't have fossil fuels so we need other inputs. so i just don't see the pathway kind of so clearly physically that we conference we can say we can move down but i think there's no argument that says we can wait for longer like we should we can still (laughs) use fossil fuels beyond 2050 you know what i mean so just just want to say it's a very fast track Everybody born after 1985, you may be in this category. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Everybody <laughs> born after 85 will still be in the workforce in 2050. So it's not like, oh, it's, it's not if you, in, in your work life. You will have to kind of retool the economy do <laughs> <laughs> something quite different. Not have to. I mean, it's kind of if 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 we want to maintain some level of positive positive you know life mm. so, so 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 it's actually it's so much it's so much closer in some ways and so 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 it's so so we're already now destroying our net present values it's not about kind of the long-term planning so much it's kind of with every decision we make right now i mean what we build today most likely will be part of our infrastructure in 2050 sure. most likely yeah yeah hopefully otherwise we're in the, it's even worse because then how would we have the money to kind of totally rebuild what we already built today? You know? Yeah. So so I don't know. So that's kind of the the time frames. I mean, that's kind of what what time time and space is missing in the social theory since World War II for a number of reasons. But that's kind of this idea. Oh, the market will kind of see it and then we
0: Hmm. It hasn't for <laughs> a century. <laughs> this, yeah.
1: There's physics here. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's probably so, also yeah, yeah, good. Sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm I'm just wondering. So given all of that, um <laughs> I'm I'm wondering how you move forward. So let's say in twenty twenty one, so you have this project with uh the, the Portuguese cities, mm. do you have any other project that uh you hold dear to, to your heart?
1: I mean we do a lot of kind of thing we we, we do quite a bit in the Mediterranean, so on like on, on ecotourism, on food consumption. Uh, we're we're just now starting a a new project just on food the future of food Uh, i think on energy it's clear it's not easy and we haven't made much progress but i think it's conceptually at least clear where we need to go on food it's even more stunning because the implications of the new word for food we call it the eight impossible imperatives that are hitting us, you know, on food. And just do just the tongue in cheek. But I mean, it's just so many things happening in terms of like farms don't get much money, and that's not gonna change. They should be able to operate without fossil fuels and fossil fuels is now so essential to agriculture the way we run it. I mean, including just the amount of plastics that are being used, okay. <laughs> that alone. But I mean, it's not just the plastic, it's kind of the fertilizer, the tractors, the pumping, and etc. The 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 the, the production chain like keeping food cool and like there's so much this there's, there's so much that takes fossil fuel and then they should even become net sequestration like but but i don't know where how they would be paid for it you know so and, and they should actually produce more food because there will be more people and you know so, so the, the list of the imperatives that are hitting them and that would be less polluting overall the biodiversity threat i mean just like switzerland for example so so it's kind of that's so we'll be working with bargaining and university on a, on a, on a larger project to kind of see how, how can how can food become one plant compatible what does it actually mean you know so and 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 then how could we shift things um so that's fascinating um then i've been conversation to the number of places that that i mean that want to like carbon neutrality whatever and, and then we have this honest conversation with them and say, do you really want carbon neutrality? I mean, is that what you really want, want, want? You know, so, because if, if, you, if, you, if you have it as a conditionality, like you do everything as we did, and then also carbon neutral, you, you get into this impossible competition between producing carbon and paying for your schools and the health system that is fragile. And how can a Dominican Republic, I mean, allocate money for that, you know, says you have. To, that's why you need to think totally out of the box and say, how can a Dominican Republic be successful in the long run, given the world we are in? Like, what's your economic plan that has to react to this context? And then it becomes more meaningful. And I think that's going kind to of people say, oh, oh yeah, that's true, because this this is such a like this 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 making environmental conditionality rather than the underpinning. Of, of of long-term success i think that's kind of the shift we are we are trying to speak into and it's very slow in some ways i mean so it's, I'm, I'm fascinated and entertained by the projects we do here and there <laughs> and 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 learn a lot i mean i think one one big insight that just came to me recently as we we're talking about kind of this for the city the self-interest to act seems so blatantly obvious because a city cannot move very quickly (laughs) it's stuck where it is and and it built in metabolism you know so it's not that it doesn't shift that easily either and time is flying by so quickly so a city that doesn't prepare itself like what are you thinking or as we say what are you smoking i mean it's gonna just what the hell is going on and so so the self-interest is clear and still we talk about as if it's because it's nice a nice deed, a noble effort you know even though it's so it's 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 crucially essential. And what people then confuse, and that's what I realized, like when you go back to the individual, what, what do you have a self-interest as a person? It becomes much more complex. And I start to liken it, you know, the, the Brownian movement of 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 like the you know, thermodynamics, you know, thermodynamics of all the molecules moving around, you know. And it generates temperature. The temperature is quite easy to predict and to measure, but you cannot predict all the, the molecules. And that's kind of the situation for each individual. For the individual, it's so complex. How will this hit me? I mean, will will, will I kind of lose my job? Will my house burn down? Will I not have water? Will <laughs> there be a disease? Or like there's so many things and are, the complexity is, is incredible. But if you look at the higher scale, the temperature, like for example, um, um, then. Um, like, compared to the molecule, it, it becomes much more obvious how to act, and I think that's kind of the mental breakthrough to kind of acknowledge that for individuals, maybe. I mean, it's really at those system levels where we have control over, because we have city governments, we have country governments, and the, the trajectory is quite clear because of the the sum of the of the of like it's statistical that sometimes looking at the problem bigger, it actually becomes simpler. Because the, the, the micro-movement's going kind to of average out, you know? So so you, so the, the law of the big numbers, in, in some ways. And um, how to make that case more clearly and also more empoweringly. That's kind of what I wonder. <laughs> that's why I'm like, talking with you. Because yeah. I want to learn more <laughs> to do that. It seems like we have a
0: lot on our plates that's a <laughs> 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 um. Matisse we we generally um, ask a last question which is um, what type of books or articles or movies or something that you've seen or or read uh, recently that you'd like to share with everyone
1: I'm not sure like if it's it's that relevant because I try to kind of read kind of totally out of the box so 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 i'm 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 really kind of a story from a from a defected uh, spy from from czechoslovakia from the cold war <laughs> how, how how they were like the, how they are trying to see disinformation you know, and so, so the system of kind of how our information system is breaking apart, and now our technology is even better at kind of how to spread this information, and it's still the same people in power on all sides. So, so kind of how how that works, and and like how can we become? I mean, this is kind of the inspiration why I'm reading it. There's this other book from,
0: and how was it called? Your the this book.
1: I can't even remember yeah I should look at the, the, the name I was just like picking it up and it has so it's kind of a like from the cold War about how spy operations work and it's so consistent with the time today like how like how the various powers kind of look at each other then I, I there's a, an Oxford scholar who just wrote the book about extinction that would we'll have to look I'm, I'm better at concepts, not at words. So, so I, got, <laughs> I, mean, I, I could look up what the name is. And I was stunned. I could, what, what what drives extinction? It's, it's quite fascinating. Like, the, the, what's the odds of humanity surviving? And and he's kind of just worried that the species survives, not the suffering in between as much in the book. And you know, so it's kind of, so, so oh, we don't have bees. That's kind of, like, that only reduces food production about 4%. It's not that it doesn't do us in it's not great but it doesn't do us in so so we don't have to worry about that as much but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so there's this inter- like by, by making the problem too big and say oh it's a total extinction Every, everybody goes or not you know and then also the idea we are like our history has barely started we're only 200,000 years old and like so now we just determine the next we have still a billion years of sunshine. But I think I mean biologically, as a species, we're not that stable. So it's really more like about the next fifty thousand frame, like year framework, even if if not shorter. But I mean, like biologically, we are like we shift, you know. So so who knows how we manifest as life, our species in, in the future? So, so I don't think we'll be stable for a million years as a species. Not like the sharks that have been like this sharks that have been stable for hundred million years, you know. Um, but that's very unique species, anyhow. So what what I'm fascinated by I'm just more reading is more news articles. It's kind of the, the situation in Afghanistan, but the number of things like the 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 kind of the the, the cult the, the clash between self determination, like the, the identity, what what that drives people, and so even kind of a un, not well equipped army, like over years of war, can still like has the drive to kind of say we want to be like self determinant I mean, I'm not, not the ugliness, and the blindness of the most amazing apparatuses, with like a trillion dollars spent on like on, on the war, and 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 it's, it still cannot be fathomed by like the, the powers, and it's not just the United States; it's also there were Germans were there, the, the Americans were there, the French, uh, the, the British were there, the French were there, trying and 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 could not predict, you know, so so a, a very simple underlying force. So, so just a psychological implication from that I find fascinating. There are also some psychological books. Um, how to think is a book that I find interesting, just as an inspiration, kind of getting more clear about like what makes us tick or reflect upon that. So I can I, I can write down the titles <laughs> and send them to you. Be, please do. I think uh I'll, I'll
0: add them to the reading list because uh, we I, still I'm have
1: sure a lot that, to that these are the, the, the yeah. I think do it's more, more yeah. The answers aren't in the books, but it's in kind of wrestling with the problem every day. Yeah having well, honest conversations
0: yeah well it, it was it was a very nice one and thanks so much Matisse for taking all your time to well to share what you've learned over the years but also what uh, what you what makes you tick and and what you will be working on for, for the next years to come um, thanks so much again and thanks again, every- yeah. thanks uh, as well to everyone to listening until the end don't hesitate to share it with your colleagues and friends And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Asin.